Oh, right. Here we are. Oh, thunder. Big storms rolling through. Oh, nice. We got storms coming tomorrow. I'm stoked. It's probably these storms. Send them over. Sending them your way. Thank you. We have, uh, you're in Michigan. location, Michigan. How are things in Michigan? You know, quiet, which is a little odd because I feel like I'm in a, in a corner of America where not a lot is happening. And I think that feels Maybe a little... the only corner? Yeah. And perhaps because I'm not in a corner, it's just like this little patch of middle America that it... And I'm also like right between Detroit and Chicago. So I feel like it's a, it's a, a space where it's not collecting a ton of resistance in terms of like social unrest and like um, protests and things like that. So while those are focused on some more urban areas, I'm kind of feeling that both that I left New York before a ta- before the the march um, the protests happened there, so it feels weird that I'm going to return back to a city where I'm not really sure what it's all going to look like. And then yeah. two, I haven't really witnessed any of it here in person, so it feels it, like it still feels like a little bit of a foreign concept. But I'm also like actively aware that this is like what's happening in just like the cities that are only a couple hours away or forty yeah. minutes away. So. It's a lot and it's weird and it's it's playing this kind of um, check yourself that this is a reality, but it's not my reality at the current present. Right. In terms of like what I'm experiencing outside my window. Yeah, so, which is probably nice because... Uh, yeah, like, outside your window. Yeah, I've been uh, at my parents' house for a few days, but um, yeah, pretty much... Every everywhere, all of my family, at least, uh, except for my parents, there's been like, if it's not burning buildings a couple blocks away, it's tens of thousands of protesters and or thousands of police and uh, and National Guard right outside my apartment door was just a couple of days ago was hundreds of. Police officers, National Guard, Humvees, the whole shebang. Um, I live pretty close to 35 where all the protesters were on the bridge. So the last couple of days, that's kind of been a, a hotspot in the Twin Cities. So it's been, a, yes. it's been a pretty tense few days in Minneapolis. My heart aches. You know, there's all these different data points that kind of come out and one of them that I saw was that 80% of those that were arrested didn't even live in Minnesota. And that actually wasn't true. It wasn't. Nope. It was the opposite. (laughs) At least I don't know the updated numbers, but when that was said, that was after kind of that that first or second night. Um, And it was actually the reverse. It was 80% were from the state of Minnesota and 20% were from outside. Interesting. So um, that's how it quickly turns. Yep. Um, Yeah. And I don't know how much that's changed in the last couple of days, because I believe that was, that was after Wednesday or Thursday that that was said. So I don't know how things progressed over the weekend. I know um, my parents were out this weekend, just um, driving away from the cities to see 
um, friends and family that we have down there and they saw a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of license plates from out of state, which could be regular travel, could be irregular, but, um, and maybe they're just hyper aware of it based on hearing that stat, but they saw a lot of people not from, not from Minnesota. So who knows? um, Yeah. Yeah. One of the more, one of the more crazy things that I've been hearing, uh, is that there's a lot of people that are driving around with no license plates. Yeah. To be Um, undetectable. Yeah. And that was something that happened in St. Paul. Um, and I think it was Friday night, um, Friday or Saturday night, there was, um, a couple reports of people getting pulled over without license plates. Um, they'd be driving with no license plates and then no headlights or taillights on. Um, and then they'd get pulled over and they just abandoned the car. As soon as soon as they stopped, the cop stopped, everyone in the car would get out and run. Um, that's, you know, who knows if it's, if they're stolen cars, if they're, you know, whatever, but in a lot of those vehicles, they found, um, like rocks and bricks and other weapons and some of them, they found guns. So, uh, yeah, it's been pretty fucking crazy. And I think, you know, Alec and I really wanted to lean into this topic this week because one, like the podcast itself is evolving. And when we recorded last week, it was kind of unsure of what was happening at that point. And, you know, we didn't, we weren't really sure what we were going to say. So we took some time to think about it. And I think it's important that everyone be aware that, you know, this is happening and this has been happening and there's so much to be discussed and we can do multiple podcasts just on this topic alone, but black lives do matter. And I think we wanted to take today to discuss the things that are happening and um, provide insights that we have um, and insights that we will never know. You know, I mean, like there's things that we're just never going to know based off of what we've been, what we were born into. And that's just, we're both white men and we recognize that. And I think, you know, like, even though we're not black, like we see you, we hear you, we're mourning with you. And like, we're, we want to be on the right side of this. So we want to put together some talking points to discuss today and keep this tight. And it's going to, it's a tough thing to talk about. So um, bear with us as we like navigate this, you know, this topic that is extremely I think important to both of us because everybody should feel welcomed and you shouldn't have to live in fear. And I think we're both out to see change and we want change. And there's um, a lot of opinions that surround, you know, certain things that have happened and, you know, this is an open platform for us to discuss it. So we're here to chat. Yeah. And I think one thing, one thing we want to do is like, I don't think, as like as Logan said, this is this podcast is evolving, and one of the things that's evolved into more for us is just like a, um, kind of like an audio journal of just like this is just two friends talking every week about kind of things that are happening in the world. So, 
that five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, we can listen to it. Our kids or friends, whoever can listen to it and be like a little time capsule of, of years past. So in, in that lens of talking about things for the sake of remembering how we felt things that were happening, the way we thought when certain things were going on, uh, it's important to talk about it in that context. And it's important to talk about in the present context of what's happening, why it's happening and what we can hopefully, hopefully do is inspire some sort of action or at the very least promote thought, provoke thought into some challenging conversations to challenging some uh, preconceived notions and things like that. Totally. Um, Speaking of time capsule, I was reading this article and it was about how to talk to your children um, about protests and racism. And throughout this article, it talks a lot about you, you, the person who's going to host this conversation, right? And generally that's referring mm-hmm. to a parent or a guardian. Right. Um, and it talks, you know, it talks about the child's emotional health, where they're at developmentally. So if they're under a certain age, how they might process it, the ways that it might come through. But the part that really struck me is this section called the talk. Now, if you're in a white family growing up, the talk is a reference about sex. That's what we know the talk to be. Now, they explore the talk in a very different thing that I never even thought about, but this is a reality for Black families. And the talk goes into a series of don'ts that Black families have passed on for generations. Don't resist police, stay away from bad places, be respectful to white people, and stay away from confrontation with white men, especially police. And that these are things that they have to instill in their children and their families and have a regular conversation about this to ensure their safety day by day, week by week, I think even at that level shows the disparity in terms of how you have to raise your family in America. And also just like the problems that already lie with just the upbringing of what it's like to be someone of color in the U.S. And right now we're specifically talking about Black people. So I feel like I... I was like really awoken by this topic because I didn't, I had never understood that that was something that had to, that was fundamentally part of raising a child in this setting. And it was so um, eye opening because that's not ever anything I've ever had to worry about. I could be mean to any white person I ever wanted to be because I am white. Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, even more like, example that I've seen is like explaining to your kid like why someone crossed the street when they saw you 
or like why someone got out of the elevator when they saw you or like those types of things where they're much more tangible mm-hmm. and just like having to explain. And honestly, like that's a conversation that everyone should have like a conversation about racism yeah. um, is a conversation that everyone should have. And whether you want to rely on the public school system to do that or take it upon yourself to do that at home, like history is incredibly important. Um, and there needs to be an understanding and a recognizing of what has happened in our past in that we don't, we don't lose sight of the evils of past, whether it's of dictators or racism or cultural norms or things like that, that we have evolved away from. Uh, All of those things need to be talked about and they can't be watered down in current discussion because they need to maintain that the viciousness that it actually had in that time. Black history is American history. So it needs to be more part of the conversation for everyone involved who's a citizen of the U.S. and learning about how their country came to be. Yeah, and we can't, and we can't like, whitewash isn't I don't know if that's the right term I guess it sounds fitting but can't sugarcoat history yeah you can't just tell the story that you're comfortable with like in reality there was a lot of bad things that happened in order to be where we are today and we're not we're not in a good place and I think a lot of people are waking up and wanting to have the conversation I've had more positive conversations about white privilege and race with my family and close friends where that was never a part of the conversation. Or if I had brought up white privilege previously to family members, it was often disregarded just because so many people associate privilege that like, if I have white privilege, it means my life isn't hard. And the reality is it's not saying your life isn't hard. It just means your skin color isn't one thing that's making your life harder. So no one's saying that your life was, you know, butterflies and roses previously. People are just saying that like you haven't had to deal with an additional element to make life even that much harder. And I think people are realizing that that's what's at play right now. Yeah. And I think, I do think that there should be a broader conversation um, about privilege in general right because it's not everyone regardless of race may have privilege bestowed upon them Mm -hmm. and you may not understanding that privilege is a sliding scale and that as white people race isn't a barrier for us is important Um, And it's important for people to understand that that's where the term white privilege comes from is that there are some people you can be white and come from less financial means than someone of color or a black person or whatever. Um, But you still have the privilege of being white. And so it's not to 
it's not to discount your life story and the shit that you've had to go, go through. It's just an acknowledgement that the color of your skin wasn't a barrier for you to move forward. Right. And there's gender privileges, right? Like men, women, non-binary folk, like men often hold, uh, are just like, they have this upper hand in a lot of situations. And like, that's another thing we face. And you have some people, military are treated differently. If you're non-military, like there's just different things that come in and different privileges that come at play. But everyone... Yeah, I mean, everyone in America is privileged to be born in America. And not everyone was born here, but they're a welcome right. citizen, right? Right. But but even being born in America, oh yeah, you have a leg up on someone who wasn't born here and immigrated here. Mm-hmm. Like that is a form of privilege as well. So exactly, I think that's a way for people who do have that, like, well, I'm white, but like I grew up this way and this happened to me and I had these struggles like white privilege isn't trying to discount that having this broader conversation about what privilege is across demographics will hopefully help people understand that piece of it agreed and i think it's also important on that same note you didn't choose where you were born you didn't choose what gender you are you didn't choose your skin color all these things are given to you as you enter this world so it's not our job to define who is better than the other. We are all the same at the end of the day in terms of our makeup and the rich ideas we bring to a situation all come from our backgrounds, our interests and things like that. And that's what makes this world so amazing. And it's not our job to judge these people based off the way they look or the way or what their cultural differences are. It's our job to educate ourselves so that we understand where they're coming from so that we can have a more productive conversation regarding no matter what the topic is. Right. And that's the whole idea. Like that was a, the melting pot, right? That was the American experiment is a melting pot of cultures coming together to build something greater than the individual. And that, I think that lends itself to one of the, I think all of these, one, I think, okay, the, we can transition to a couple different things, but one definite distinction that I think is very necessary to make um, as far as, I don't think we've actually like laid this out, like as a reaction to George Floyd's death killing, um, there's a, severe difference between protesters and rioters, looters, and arsonists. Correct. And I think that's just like, that was a very cold transition, but uh, I think that paired with the media narrative is what's so dangerous in the current situation is that so many times the narrative gets hijacked and these movements turn into something and get convoluted into something that they did not set out to be. Um, That's happening here with 
every all the videos that I've seen locally at least and even across the country in some places is there is somebody defacing a building trying to like break something and there's a group of people trying to stop that person there's only one person trying to do something bad and a group of people who are trying to stop them because they know that the bad actors in a protest will then smear the narrative of the whole thing. So it's been interesting to watch the week as this whole week has unfolded. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I think your reaction is totally on par because many who are involved with the peaceful protests that are welcomed and are joining a movement and a collective are furious at those who are behaving in such an extreme way that it often overshadows what they're doing and is, to your same point, coloring the narrative that these people are simply, and now we're seeing these, um, I'm sorry, I'm just having a hard time to frame these thoughts because a million things rush into my mind, but... Yeah, and it's complex. It is, and the people who are acting in a peaceful manner are not are not the same people who are rioting. And so now you have two movements happening in parallel, but the more extreme version is what's being depicted as the only thing that's happening. And when you have that as the main narrative and the people who are supposed to react to this news, whether it be someone at home, the police, which are another problem which we can talk about, and the um, and just like any innocent bystander who who might own the business, you know, they're worried about the rioters, they're not worried about the protesters and often support the protest movement, but are living in fear because they don't know if they're next on the list to be targeted and things like that. And now you're creating a movement of fear and it was never meant to be about fear. It was meant to be about peace and making a statement. And now that has been totally taken from the entire. And this isn't what George Floyd would want. His brothers spoken. So acted out or even the family members have family who have said like, this isn't, this isn't anything that would have been, what he would have wanted. And I think that says a lot because this is what people, this is how people are justifying it. Right. And what I've, what I found to be interesting is there's, there's some people who say like, well, this is, um, they use the MLK quote about riots are the voice of the unheard. Um, and so that's what I found interesting is there's some people who are saying like, yeah, like burn it all down, burn it all down. Um, but then there's equal or maybe more people who are saying like, this is the wrong way to go about this. Um, and so I, I, for me, the whole thing of like, if you want to, at this, like, if you want to block roads and do stuff like that and protest, that's fine. 
like some people get mad that people block streets and whatever I get while that makes you angry. But like at the same time, like when you have that many people and there's 10,000 people trying to make a change, like cool. Like that's to me, that's what America's about is you have the ability to go and you're dis- you're making disruptions and you're being heard, but it's not terribly destructive. It's like, you might make some people late. Hopefully there's no one who's like trying to deliver a baby or things like that on that road. Uh, but other than that, like, yeah, block the road. Um, <clears throat> but when you burn down businesses and loot businesses, it's not everything that I've seen is they're insured. Who cares? And it is so much more complex than that. Like, is it like people that you're out to bring justice to are often a lot of the people who are being hurt by this. It's minority owned businesses. It's anybody who owns a business. It's, you know, it's not, people aren't thinking about who's, who they're hurting in the process. It's only the selfish take at the moment. And it's a, it's a, it's a reactionary thing. It's not about anything else. Yeah. And even, even the people with like, Oh, we, they only did like chain, chain businesses, whatever. Right. Well, like if you go to, if you think like looting a Wendy's is cool, like we're going to burn down a Wendy's. Well, Wendy's operates under a franchisee model. So you actually have someone from your community who is licensing the intellectual property of Wendy's to operate that restaurant in your community. So they pay a little bit of money to Wendy's, but it's someone in your community who is operating and that's their livelihood. Yeah. And so you're destroying jobs, you're raising insurance premiums, which raises the cost of goods, which then makes your neighborhood more expensive to live in. And you're denying, you're denying the people who own businesses. The, in my opinion, like the right to the pursuit of happiness. Like that's their livelihood. They're pursuing their dream and being an entrepreneur and you just burn their business down and you're taking that from them. You're impeding on that right that they have. Yeah. The minute you add the element of violence to a protest, it's a riot. Right. That's all. It's the only difference. Right. And these are largely different people than the ones who are protesting. And that's why there's a curfew, right? In Minneapolis, we've seen during the day before the curfew, everything is pretty chill, except for last Thursday in St. Paul, when in broad daylight, they were lighting TJ Maxx on fire. But there's a line there where you can say as a community, okay, let's go home at eight and let's be back here at 6 a.m. when the curfew lifts. And we're going to do this peacefully and just don't go away. Right. That's my thing is there's always this spike whenever something happens. And especially in social media age where we have such short attention spans and the media is just uh, being patronizing to those short attention spans that in a week from now, when something else happens, if you tune your attention to it, then everyone who you're trying to hold accountable now, he's going to be like, Oh, they're not, 
they're not talking about us anymore. And so respect the curfew, respect the communities that you're trying to change because if you burn down the communities, there's not going to be anything left to change. There's two ways that this goes. We either stop the rioting and burning down of businesses and then we build them back up and try to reorganize society and make real change or we don't. We increase police presence we increase tensions and we fall into a civil war until either everyone complies or the entire system is toppled and we literally have a civil war and try and tear down America. <laughs> so those are like, those we're at the precipice of like, those are, that's where I see the two directions. I prefer the former. Like, um, but yeah, no, you're totally right. And I think, This is a classic example of privilege. The idea that you were involved with a movement and then you had the ability to walk away and you had, you could forget about it because it no longer involved you. And that in itself is a form of privilege. And to your point, like, go ahead. Especially right now when the people who are going to these protests and these protests are in communities that they don't live in, and then these protests that get turned into riots, you don't even have to, like, you can post on Instagram and be like, I did this, like, learn about this here. But next week, you're going to be on your boat in Minnetonka posting about jet skiing or whatever. And there's going to be people walking past the burning buildings where they used to get their prescriptions. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to go, they're going to have to find out another way to get the medication that they need or to get their groceries or whatever it might be. This is all a part of, to that same point you were just making, like you, we can't go away. Like you have to push for this. The next thing that you need to focus on as this continues to move is help rebuilding your communities. Cause it's not just Minneapolis that's on fire. It's out. There's a, fires all over the place and you need to help rebuild communities. You need to support local, you need to support locally owned minority owned businesses. You need to support locally owned businesses, period. Like just focus on those, like bring money back to your community and then focus on November. You have a chance to vote and you have a chance to make a change for your, both on the local level um, and the national level. And you have to vote into you get to vote people in that you think are going to represent you. And that is your op- your opportunity to really have a say because that is also one of the great things about living in this country is that we get to have a say as to who our elected officials are. And even beyond that, like research the policing laws research mm-hmm. police unions understand how funding goes to the police when police uh when the police departments are sued civilly you know they settle those lawsuits they settle them with our taxpayer dollars like things like that that's how you have very targeted specific things that you want to change and use those as starting points and pillars of changing anything like yeah. Whether 
police brutality, whether it's shitty tax systems, whatever, you have to get hyper specific in what you want to change, understand it forwards, backwards, and upside down, and then go have the conversations with the elected officials who like to pretend that they have our best interests in mind. It's true. I mean, so many police units govern themselves. So if something doesn't feel off to other police units within their own precinct, then it doesn't go, it doesn't get questioned. So if you're, if you, you know, like if that's something that's, you know, that's becoming a popular discussion topic is like, who's governing these bodies? Or like the other one that I had heard of that I really loved was this idea of introducing psychologists into the police force so like if they're responding to somebody who's mentally ill then you can have someone on this who's trained to work with these people and then get them to a facility that's going to be better for them than potentially incarceration and then also then now we're taking into effect like mental health which is so important when dealing with so many of these cases so like of opening up new opportunities that we've never seen before um, for that sector of work, which I think would be an excellent idea. Yeah. And these are all, they're all issues that are very complex. Like, and that's a danger of our current society is it's, everyone thinks that all these issues are binary and it's like, we just flip this switch off or you turn that switch on or whatever, but they're so incredibly complex and you have to find numbers and you have to find data to back up what you want to have happen. And you need to be able to speak to that data because especially in a system where In a system where our elected officials are only half-heartedly representing the people of their like that actually make up their constituents, you have to be able to invoke real change with the real numbers, real stats, and real large groups of people. Because mm-hmm. the thing that they need is to get reelected so they can keep kickbacks, insider trading, whatever other corrupt thing that elected officials do. Um, And us as people, especially young people who tend to vote at much lower numbers, need to prove to these people that we're willing to use our numbers to invoke change. Correct. Government should be afraid of its people. People should not be afraid of its government. We need to fully understand who we're electing and who we have elected because, and hold these people accountable. And we're starting, you know, there was a, a wave of people who got voted in in 2016 who were very different from what we had seen before. And, some were better than others. And I think it's all about understanding, like, do you feel heard at the highest level? And if you don't, who is your person and holding them accountable for things that they're doing at um, the Senate, the House of Reps, whatever. And 
making sure that, you know, it doesn't take that long to write them a letter or call them or start a movement of your own um, and get people behind you. Because oftentimes if you have, if you feel a certain way, there are others that feel um, similarly. And it's, it's important that you don't feel alone when you're tackling something like this, because you can't do it alone. You need the numbers. And we both need- in, just like both in like how you're going to approach it, who you're approaching it with and the data. Right. And we also need to hold media members accountable to ask real questions and get real information instead of bullshit platitudes out of our politicians. We're all over the clickbait. I don't want to know this. I don't want to see any more misleading titles on my phone that is hoping that I'll click it when it has nothing to do with what I'm doing, what I'm reading, or it has, it's a totally taken out of context. And then I'm reading the article and I'm like, this isn't anything I signed up for. So we need to hold the media accountable to tell the truth like the way they can and not rely. And like that will be rewarded. People are sick of hearing too many different versions of the same story when you're all in the same room. Like you need to hear the facts and you need to report as such. And I think those that are in power in those media companies need to respect that as the trade that they've signed up for. Yeah. I don't need a, I don't need a thousand word story about a tweet. I don't care if that person's mad at that person from real housewives of wherever the F like, just tell me I need to know. And like, let's move forward. I don't know. There's this, I think, the reality and like the thing that I want to make sure I get it across is I I found my momentum and I'm excited that I feel that this is becoming more of a welcome discussion. I'm putting my money aside, even though I'm under a pay cut and I'm like seeing less money, like this is money that I want to spend towards both organizations that are doing good work and organizations that are supporting communities that I have, you know, that I cherish and I want them to come out better for this. And so I was supporting um, an organization or GoFundMe today for helping clear up um, Fordham Road in the Bronx, um, which is a community that I've fallen in love with as I spent four years working for the university and spent many nights on Arthur Ave and like surrounding streets, supporting the local community members and their stores. And as well as um, I supported um, an organization in Minnesota that's just like helping um, just push black culture and push the narrative that so desperately needs to be more part of our everyday vernacular. Yeah, I think like finding organizations, I always like right now finding, I think finding GoFundMe, GoFundMe's for individual business owners is going to be most helpful. Mm-hmm. You're going to give money to an organization, research that organization. We're talking about like 
there may be <laughs> there is some corruption in policing systems across the country. Um, there is corruption in the nonprofit sector as well. Uh, so one hundred percent. Make sure that the money. Place. Make sure that the money that you're giving is actually going to a cause and not that ninety five cents on every dollar you give is going to air quote administrative fees for said nonprofit um, yep. places in twin cities that uh, I've worked with in the past and that will continue to uh, contribute to our uh, cookie cart. I talked about them like two episodes ago. They're awesome. Um, Project success. Uh, juxtaposition arts, like all of these things um, are helpful. So just like be helpful. Um, I'm everyone who knows me knows I'm cynical about governmental everything. Um, so I'm trying to be positive in this current situation that hopefully things will change for the better. Hopefully um, our civilization will be burned to the ground by fucking psychopaths and uh, that we can continue to have open discussions, continue to have first amendment gatherings, um, but that we can then end those gatherings and move into something even more uh, influential, which is moving legislature, moving votes, moving people in and out of office. Uh, that's, that's the hope. It's the hope. And by keeping it a part of your everyday conversation and checking how you're responding to these situations is a really healthy way to just keep it from not, um, you know, not becoming at the, not staying at the forefront. And it's also important to realize that there's no right way to do this. Like your calling might be to be out on the streets and being a protester. Your calling might be to donate money to multiple organizations that you support. Your calling might be to host a podcast like this and like talk about the opportunities um, that are out there for others to participate in. Um, quick flag, my... Um, the organization that I supported was the Black Vision Collective. And then the other, like you might, maybe you're creating art that is being sold to that, and a photograph, the art is representative of the movement. Like there's so much things, there's so many avenues to push this narrative. And like, you just have to find yours. And you also have to take time to pause and reflect so that you can recharge so that you can continue to fight the good fight and be a part of it because that is so important because it feels like a lot of times that you have to do so much on your own there are a lot of people working towards the same goal so find those in your community that you want to support work with them and be a part of something bigger and be a part of the right side of this as we all move to create a better place to live for everyone and welcome everyone so that no one feels that they have to feel scared in their country, in their everyday life, because that's no way to live. Yeah. And for so many, like, 
even if you if you're not going to do any of those other things of donate or go protest whatever like the one thing that everyone should do is fix the things that are wrong in your own life first Mm -hmm. if you can if you can change your own life your impact on the world will be greater if you can understand why you do the things you do what motivates you um all those things that will allow you to either find a cause that you are passionate about or stumble upon a way that you can invoke change outside of yourself but to change the world you have to be in control of yourself you have to it's true you have to be able to set boundaries you have to be disciplined you have to all these things that make you a productive individual you have to have on point before you can go say, I'm going to save the world. And so, uh, this will be my, like me wrapping up this podcast. The word I think we've probably said a lot in the last 45 minutes is accountability. Mm -hmm. And so hold the media accountable, hold the government accountable, hold police officers accountable, hold your friends accountable above all else, hold yourself accountable. Every single person is responsible for everything that happens in your life. Every single thing. It might not be your fault. Something might have happened to you that you can't control that came from outside forces, but it's your responsibility to find a way to move past it, to build on it, to better yourself because of it. And that's, that's the first most important step in creating real change in massive amounts of people is massive amounts of people creating change for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so take responsibility for yourself, be accountable and hold those around you accountable. And especially those people in, in power, hold them accountable. And that should lead to a brighter, <laughs> better place to live. Agreed. Black Lives Matter, we stand with you. And with that, good night. We'll hopefully have Stay safe. a more fun episode next week. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes it's not about fun. We're all here to learn, right? That is right. So, all right. We're out. Bye, everybody. Good night. Good day. I don't know. <laughs>